Welcome to the Queer Arabs podcast. This is Alia. And Ellie. And we are the Queer Arabs. I'm Saudi American and a lesbian. I'm bi trans Lebanese, and we are recording in Houston and in DC. Yes. Um, so today is September 11th. That's the day we are recording. So we thought we would focus on, you know, the ways the date has shaped our lives starting 18 years ago. First, I'm going to be talking about kind of the aftermath for me personally, and then Ellie will talk about the ways it affected her. For me, the date comes with many mixed emotions, like with most people. Um, those mixed emotions are, of course, influenced by my specific circumstances. So I'm going to focus on me specifically. I don't want to speak for anyone else. I like I always hesitate, as I did right before recording, to be honest, to make this day in any way about myself, because obviously it's not about me. It's an event that has devastated the world in much bigger ways than myself. It's, it's rare that I will bring the I will zero in on myself um, relating to this, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to do the uncomfortable thing of zeroing in on myself for this ep- for the purpose of the episode. That's right. We will be speaking from the eye position again. <laughs> yes. Not claim to speak for others of Swana heritage in the U.S., even though I know many of us have had overlapping experiences in the aftermath, but I also recognize they're all circumstantially different. Here's what I have to say. So I remember 18 years ago sitting in my chemistry class. I remember a classmate was talking about a new nail polish that she was using and it was called raw. That was the name of the color. Like I remember it down to that detail. All of a sudden that same classmate looked up at the TV that had just been turned on and said, that's horrible. So the teacher had just turned on the TV and we all watched the towers in New York get hit by planes all of our eyes just fixed on that and it seemed fictional and it obviously took a while to sink in and I remember my mind my mind was reeling and wondering who was being killed why I wondered how many people were in the buildings if the planes were malfunctioning by any chance if they had hit the buildings on accident even though deep down I never actually believed that I I knew in my heart that this was intentional I mean from watching you you knew I wondered in that moment I wondered who was on the plane how they were feeling and so at that moment all of it felt really confusing as the towers and the pentagon were targeted but there's no way to predict just how confusing it would be in the long term and that confusion has never really decreased um it's just changed even after we knew uh, we had the factual answers like who had been responsible what the motive was how many people died who died who lost family members and friends that day, um, those things, like we got those answers. And not long after did the U.S. use the event as a catalyst or I should say like a nonsensical and devastating excuse to invade a country, Iraq, that had nothing to do with this. So to focus zero in on myself, okay. September 11th, 2001 happened just a few months after I had started truly connecting with my Saudi side of the family, which is my father's side. And I was talking to cousins every day. I was learning all of those nuanced facts about my family structure and getting to know them, getting to know things about Saudi Arabia, the culture, learning more about Islam than I had understood prior and I just remember like before that day I was feeling really positive like 
positive about my identity, my roots. I was eager to learn everything, to know everything that anyone was willing to share with me on that side of the family. Yeah, then September 11th happened. I was called not long after. I was called a terrorist at school. Someone asked me if I was related to Osama bin Laden. I was receiving all these messages from the media and even my mom's side of the family from people at school that it was time that I stop feeling positive and that I feel shame. And that has definitely not gone away. It has definitely changed as I age, but it hasn't gone away. So I did and I still feel a sense of shame deep within myself. And I don't know if that will ever completely be gone. Like on one hand, I absolutely adore being tied to the Swana region. Like I think it's it's such a special part of me. I absolutely love getting to know queer Swano folks specifically in the past couple years. Like in my wildest dreams, I wasn't imagining that. Anyways, but on the other hand, there is always for me going to be a sense of shame and insecurity when it comes to specifically being tied to Saudi Arabia. I'm not going to try to hide that or deny it. The fact that I am Saudi, I'm not going to try to hide that or deny it, but it's not one that I've Hey, ever... darling. Yeah? I was wondering, how did this affect your interactions with your Saudi family members? Did you just drop them or... No, I didn't drop them. What happened? I didn't drop them. Actually, can I finish my thought and then I'll get to that? Sure. Because I want to I wanna make sure I articulate that well, um, but I'll definitely get to okay. that. But yeah, it's like, I've never really been able to celebrate the fact that I'm Saudi, like, or feel any type of pride in it. Like, I still feel this disconnect from the country, specifically, and I feel more of a deep tie to surrounding countries, to be honest, probably because of people I've met and because I feel like they're tangentially related without actually being Saudi Arabia, which comes with a lot of negativity. I mean, like, look at what the Saudi government has done. And then also look at what Saudis did on 9-11. And I'm feeling a need to articulate all of that and admit that. And like, like I said, I don't know if this is something I that will change or if I even want it to change about myself because it's reality. But I'm so confused about all of it. And... I don't even know what I need to clarify, but I'm also like wanting clarity and that's another confusing point. Like, do I want to ease out of this confusion or should I embrace the fact that it will always not make sense? Like, I, I won't know how to feel about who I am. You know what I mean? As yeah. for as for the family, okay, so I, I, oh, go ahead, go ahead. So I totally get that. It's like... As an, uh, an American, I was like sort of aware of the consequences of this because I lived through the Gulf War and the uh, neoconservatives, which one with Bush, were or before long before 9-11, were already talking about invading Iraq to finish the job. Yeah. You know? Right. And I was like, I mean, it wasn't like front, it wasn't front page, but it was definitely like in the discussion and very openly being discussed. And yeah. I was like, oh shit, here we and go. Like, here we go. Yeah, so you knew like September 11th was going to be the the push, that push that the US could use. Yeah. E even uh, though- I'll go, into more into, it, yeah. I'll go into more into the political climate issues when I talk about my end of it, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, I got you. I just want to say you're not alone there. Thank you. 
like I said, not going to speak for anyone else, but I will say a common sentiment I heard, I have heard from many, is that people tried to suppress their Arabness after the fact, regardless if they're Saudi or not. People were kind of pushed to repress that side of them, not acknowledge it, not talk about it. Uh, like you, okay, so you asked about family. I didn't drop them, but like there was definitely a change of tone or just a, there was a little bit of a change of feeling. I felt like I had to compartmentalize a lot more than I had anticipated I would ever have to. So whenever I spent time with that side of the family or talked to them or whatever, I felt like I was kind of entering a different zone or a different portion of myself or a different self that I had to completely separate from my American self because I never really, after that, felt like the two things jived. I didn't change the frequency at which I was speaking to family members but I also felt this need to kind of keep that part separate from the rest of my life. So like I barely talked to my mom's side about my dad's side of the family. I, I felt like like it, it was years and years till I was able to kind of find a bridge between the two sides. And that to me was so novel when that did happen that I realized, whoa, I was intentionally keeping them so far apart because I felt like I had to. So for my part, on September 11th, I was already in university. For context, as I discussed earlier, um, Bush had recently won the elections. He had ridden on the wave of neoconservative um, republicanism, which was this very imperialist, very expansionist version of it. You know, it was the uh, idea that we would go out, overthrow uh, dictatorships and make the world safe for democracy and all that bullshit. So, and they were, they were making arguments about this. They were saying that, you know, this is one thing we should do. It wasn't like front and center. It wasn't something we were having a press conference briefings about, but if you were politically aware, you sort of knew what was on the table at, before September 11th started. At this point, I think I was in my second year of university and I had the day off. I was actually online playing video games. I was playing Diablo 2. I saw the chat light up saying like, holy shit. And what the fuck is this? And I was like, I was just like, oh shit. Because when the first plane hit, I was like, I knew this was basically, I was like, the only people who would do this would be like, like someone from the Middle East, because that's always been sort of the thing. It's like before 9-11, there was always the Palestinian hijackers who took over a plane, flew it somewhere and everyone lived. But we knew this is different because this wasn't the standard hijacking. We knew, and I was pretty certain at the time it wasn't an accident either. I didn't know who did it. I thought it may have been like the Palestinian, the PLO stepping up their game or, or something like that, or maybe the IRA doing something. That was my only other thought. I was pretty certain as like, well, shit, now we're going to find a reason to go to go into Iraq and affect Iraq. And we didn't know about Afghanistan. Once um, the Saudi connection was made to Osama bin Laden and the Taliban, as everyone knows that Afghanistan was like immediately able to go get him. Immediately after that, and I've you guys heard me talk about this before, but um, my father immediately put up American an American flag to hang in front of the house so everyone would know that we are Americans and we have chosen our side. My mom really didn't say much. She thought it was terrible and but she was never the loudest political person. Those, that first month, we were sort of like really nervous about going out together. And while it didn't stop us, it was more like we were aware. And around the same time, Bush had uh, made the call for translators 
to join up so they can translate Arabic and, you know, get the ball started and roll on the war terror. My father tried to join up with them, uh, got to the background test part of things and was basically rejected with the, I think it was the FBI threatening him, saying they could lock him up at any time. And I was, that was a little traumatizing, even as a, an adult, like a young adult. I was just like, shit. How far is this going to go? And, so, oh, go ahead. Uh, but since I was at university and I wasn't like, I'm pretty light skinned. I, I can pass for white or Mexican. And so I didn't face a lot of like direct um, hostility, but I was definitely very much anticipating it having gone to middle school during the Iraq war, the first one in the 90s. And I definitely had like very strong flashbacks of like, you know, people asking me who my parents are and like, why would you do this? And so on and so forth and then i then we saw the rise of like hate crimes against middle eastern people like not middle eastern people just generally brown people i remember like people giving the sikhs you know so much shit because they were always like because everyone was under the impression oh arabs all wear the turbans and i'm like and the arabs were like kind of like no but no and it was really ugly like suddenly Arabs were in the spotlight. People were asking who we are and what we were. And like, I, this is just after people had almost forgotten about the Iraq thing and forgotten their hostility over there, over that. Now people were like, I saw people talking on the news about how the mosques were defaced and how we should deport those people and how we should bomb the Middle East. And it was a little terrifying, especially after the experience with that my father had. I was like, shit, are they going to do like some sort of Japanese uh internment camp thing is this going to be a thing but it just left me really tense it definitely up the hostility of the rhetoric in some of the classes like when it came to political discussions you know mm -hmm. do we have a right to interventionism do we have to expand basically the monroe document and doctrine where we claim dominion over an entire hemisphere to the rest of the world and we basically did i mean oh, we were already sure doing did. it already but we were doing it but we were doing it you know less for um money reasons and more for political and security reasons well, I I but, would argue that oil was another factor. Well, that was that was a factor, but it 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 was messy. But at the time, you know, the arguments were definitely turned towards: should we get into interventionalism? Should we, you know, topple dictatorships or governments friendly to people like that tolerate or harbor terrorists? And I was writing in the school paper at the time, like when they were considering invading um, Iraq directly. I wrote. Um, that if they invaded Iraq, they really they would need to fill the power vacuum very quickly. Otherwise, it's going to descend into um, factional warfare along the political lines that were suppressed under Saddam. And look what happened. Oh, hey. I mean, everyone was convinced that Afghanistan would be this quick thing where we go in, we kill Osama bin Laden and the Taliban, we get out, and we would go into Iraq and be welcomed as liberators and then right. set up a government there. And it would be profitable because they would give us oil. And mm -hmm. these were the dumb fucking arguments that were going on. And I was like, I was just like, I don't see how that's going to possibly work short of basically genocide and just claim the land for for Americans. You know, I hate being right. But um, more personally, it made me more aware of like my Middle Eastern heritage. Like I was aware of it. I was I knew my family was Lebanese. I knew about the region generally as like someone who's interested in politics. But I didn't have a very strong connection to it either. I was just like, oh, this is this is yet another war where Arabs are going to be vilified by Americans, you know. My parents tried to avoid getting me into that with the Lebanese conflict and how often it was in the news at the time. Then again with Iraq War One and now 
war on terror. Oh, do you feel like your connection to your Lebanese-ness, I guess, like, changed because of 9-11? Like, did it get, did you feel more of a disconnect? Did you feel more of a connection because you were realizing, like, you were seen as different? It sort of, like, definitely drove home again that Americans do not like foreigners. It really woke me up as an adult to American racism and the whole xenophobia because... Like I said, I'm pr- I'm pretty ethnically ambiguous. Shout out, by the way. Um, Shout out to the podcast, ethnically ambiguous. FYI. Yeah. So no one really took me to be Lebanese or any kind of any flavor of Middle Eastern. Everyone just, just sort of assumed I was a Mexican or Italian or some other flavor of brown. Yeah. So, but it, it also meant a lot of uncomfortable conversations when I had to. I remember one time I was, uh, I think I was getting my hair cut. This lady just wanted to talk Middle Eastern politics. And I was like, she's like, yeah, we should really do something about those people. And I was just like, <sighs> like sitting there very uncomfortably having my hair cut. You're and like, you like, have scissors in your hand. What, how much do I say right now? I was, I just kind of nodded and I was just like, I'm not really interested in politics. Yeah. And she's like, well. It's so awkward. So awkward. It didn't, what do you do in that situation? Yeah, it's, like when, yeah. Sadly, that shit hasn't gone away. Like, I think two months ago, I was having hair removal done, and the lady basically, I told my family, told the lady a little about my family, about being from Lebanon, about how we tell traded stories about our grandparents, and she's like, yeah, but people from that region are crazy. Oh, nice. You are literally driving needles into my skin and applying electrical current. Yeah, and, what do I say right now? What can I, am, I say? I'm paying you like $170 an hour, and I don't want to make this... I don't want to disrupt this. I need you, but Jesus Christ, woman. I had a Lyft driver um, tell me, she was just going on and on, and she was like, oh, I had this passenger named Jihad who tried to get a ride for me, and I canceled that, like, blah, blah, blah. And she was just going on and on and on, and I, I was in the back seat thinking, like, do I say something? I really need to get from point A to point B. I'm in a, I'm at your mercy. I'm in your car right now. How do you respond in those situations when you're like kind of trapped with the person? Yeah, that or if you are dependent on them for whatever reason. Yeah, and it was about 2 a.m. I wasn't going to say, hey, stop the car. I'm getting out. I needed her to get me home. I just realized she was a fucking yeah. racist motherfucker. Uh, yeah. I mean, and of course, there's always the airport thing, but I'm not going to discuss it today because that's kind of like that is overly cliche. It's like, oh, hey, it's way too cliche at this point. Yeah. Like, see, like at least 15 other episodes. It's <laughs> right. I, and normally on this podcast, we are, we're always trying to like keep it positive and upbeat. But this is just one of those mm. things. Yeah, we can laugh at some of this now, but yeah, there's a even though it's still extreme. There's a balance, but this doesn't... No, you're right. Nothing about this episode is uplifting. And it doesn't. Yeah. Yeah, and there's no way to make it that way, honestly. You know... I, I don't feel and there's a way. Before this, I was fairly liberal. And when I say liberal, I mean like, oh, hey, I believe in capitalism. That okay. it can work so long as we, you know, get the virus of racism from our past yeah. out of our corporations and politics. And 9-11 and basically the years after very much pushed me towards the direction of no capitalism is imperialism, Mm -hmm. you know, because of the whole connection of the Iraq war and oil both times and the vast stupid amounts of money that were like lost during the uh, Iraq occupation, basically either stolen, embezzled by KBR or whatever American contractors. 
and then, it just really showed me the the really ugly side of American Empire. Yeah, and then the you US know, in terms the, of lives lost, and people had the audacity to be shocked by like, oh, people are dying, and I'm like, yeah, what did you think? Because like a lot of people were sold, oh, we'll be welcomed as liberators. We'll like we the American government will be you know hailed as heroes. We should have done this like back in the 90s, and this is yeah, and then like let's go make a mess and just leave and leave things complete chaos not rebuild what we fucking did yeah and like there's the argument to be made that the first bush could have won real election if he had basically pushed towards liberating iraq and but it would also mean meant we would have been tied up in iraq much earlier yeah because like everyone thought oh we'll just be welcome those liberators set up a government and leave and it's like no nation building does not work that way it has never worked that way it's always like it's always this long-term expensive investment that may pay off in 20 or 30 years if you start with an invasion it's never going to end well i was actually going to talk it actually impacted my dating life a little because it's like when people were like tell you tell me about yourself you know Mm -hmm. it's like well geez i'm already like this ball of identities and labels let's let's throw in let's throw in middle eastern there and have to explain that and it went from just like oh how exotic to so what do you think of 9-11 i'm like i'm trying to make out with you Um, nice light date topic yeah that's a yeah it's like so yeah it's like hey it's early 2000s i'm trans and you're on a date with me person of insert gender here over the day so tell me more about yourself it's like oh blah 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 it's like what's your major blah 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 it's like what's my major blah 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 it's like oh by the way your name's very unusual where are you from and i'm like looking at this white person in front of me and i'm just like like, well, I could lie. I could <laughs> yeah. say Italy, uh, or I could say, "Oh, I'm I'm from Lebanon," um, and they might leave it at that thing because young Americans don't know anything about Lebanon. And I was like, "Oh, I'm from Lebanon. No, Israel, Israel, right? You like Israel, right? No, it didn't. It didn't work like that. And I was too dumb and honest." Yeah, my my twenties, my early dating life in twenties was a disaster, like much like everyone else's. Uh, yeah, I, I think most people relate to that. Yeah, especially on the on the queer end of it. Totally. Yeah, yeah but it also did hammer home a lot of like dating guys was hard, especially just because they were far more comfortable expressing their sort of xenophobia and racism once that part came out. You know. Oh, interesting. As yeah, someone who never, um, as someone who never dated guys, like that's interesting to hear. Not surprising. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's always the physical component of dating guys as female presenting. It's just, yeah. I mean, they're way it's they're way more prone to violence. You know, they're a lot less in control of their emotions when they show them, and it's a little terrifying. Although, yeah. Downer episode. My one dating experience related to this that comes to mind is when. 2009 I was hanging out with this really amazing woman like we had been on several dates and hung out several times whatever and the last time we hung out we were talking about our family backgrounds and she asked hey what about your fam so I said one side is Saudi and she just paused and said interesting Saudi okay and that was the last time we ever hung out like she totally ghosted me after that and I so I've always wondered if that was the reason or if she was just like, okay, not interested in you in general. Like, I'll never really know. Yeah. And was it like, was she afraid you were going to keep her compartmentalized because you were in the closet and on the down low? It's like, I don't know. I like, know that's a thing. Maybe she did assume I was 
in the closet when I said that. I don't know. But let's speculate hopelessly about it. Yeah, I did plenty of speculating like closer to the time. But so I keep having to pause because I'm having a coughing fit because I'm just getting over a cold. So do you have much more to say? If so, can you just finish this out or should we just be done? You know what? This episode was traumatic enough for all involved. Let's let's call it done. Okay. Um, we are done with we are done with 9-11 folks. Yeah, done with 9-11 <laughs> for this year, I guess. So I'm going to close this out by saying you can reach us at thequeerarabs at gmail.com or on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at thequeerarabs. Um, our website is thequeerarabs.com. And I'm about to start coughing again. So can you tell about Ahmed's side of the podcast? So you can reach Ahmed at the Queer Arabs in Arabic at gmail.com. His podcast episodes are also listed alongside ours, thequeerarabs.com. I am so bad at this because you are so good at this. <sighs> right, I'm going to stop recording. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>